Father, Lord, we thank you for the crushing, the difficult times in life, the hard events that surround us. God, when things just seem like they're crashing everywhere around us, and Lord, that there's no way out, and Lord, I thank you for the fact that, God, when we are at rock bottom, you are the rock at the bottom. Lord, I know that there, there's a lot going on in people's lives, and I know that we live in a generation that says they embrace what is genuine, what is real. They don't like fake. God, but that line between what is true and what is untrue, God, it gets blurred so much, especially with the young people today. God, it, it just, it's all over the board, and we choose to believe to be true what we want it to be, what we want to be true, and we don't embrace real truth. We embrace the truth that only helps us. God, I pray that we wouldn't be that way. God, we would embrace your truth and we would embrace who you are. God, no matter who you say you are in this book, God, I pray that we would trust that completely. Lord, we desperately need truth today. And Father, God, I ask that I might be able to speak truth as I preach your word. God, I... I pray wholeheartedly that I would say nothing that is untrue. That God, I pray that you would instead, you would kill me where I stand before I would say anything that is untrue. I would rather not have breath in my lungs than I had say something untrue. So Lord Jesus, speak. Speak to your people now. God, help people to see truth. Help people to see what is real. God, we need what is real. Be glorified, Father, please, as we look at this precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. I had a sermon planned. A sermon got canceled. We've been talking about the good news, and I got, you know, I've been praying, God, give me a chance to share the good news with, with people, and open doors and opportunities for people to embrace the good news. I got a chance this morning. About 8.30 this morning, I got a chance to talk to somebody who is currently in the hospital. And if I'm perfectly transparent with you, she's not doing very well. And um, she's there alone because people can't really visit her right now. She doesn't have COVID. That's not the issue. But she's just not doing very well. She's got the oxygen flowing into her nose and all that stuff and after we talked for about 15 minutes she got very winded um, and she needed to rest and she looked like she was on the verge of passing out truthfully and she may be watching right now but I was sharing with her this good news and it opened my eyes to a reality that I think we need to talk about today and that's the reason the message changed from what I was originally planning to preach to what I'm preaching today I told her this truth. I said, you understand that, that the reality is is there with this giant chasm that exists between us and God. And that chasm is this thing called sin. Now, we all know that we have sin. We all know that there are things that we've done in our lives. And it's not necessarily the stuff that's like the big Ten Commandments stuff. I mean, it's like little stuff. We know it's sin, right? And we know that we were kind of born in that way. We know that, you know, if you come to church, we know that that sin, that original sin, comes from when man sinned against God. 
And we, 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 we know that every one of us has done that. It's this huge, vast gorge that exists between us, us and God, and, and that is our sin. I said, well, the good news is, is that God had to pay the penalty for that sin. That because God is just, because God is completely fair, there, that, that sin debt must be paid. But in order to pay that, he had to have this perfectly righteous lamb to pay that sin debt. And so God came to earth as a man. His name was Jesus. He was the son of God, but he was God, and he was fully man and fully God at the same time, which means that he could not sin. He did not sin while he lived this earth. He lived a perfectly sinless life. The only thing that he ever did that everybody else thought was wrong was say that he was the son of God, which was the truth, but they didn't recognize it, and they didn't embrace that truth. And because of that, they killed him. They beat him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They tore the flesh off of his body, and they hung him on a cross because he told the truth. And through that beating and through that hanging on the cross, God reconciled man to himself, that he paid that sin debt through that precious lamb that was spotless, that was slain for all of us. He hung there, and he said, it is finished. And then when he said, it is finished, they put him in a tomb, and he laid there for three days. And because the Holy Spirit of God dwelled within him, he was raised. The Holy Spirit just raised him from the dead and, and not only his, his spirit body, but his physical body was raised from the dead. And his body was no longer there. The only thing that was left, it was visible evidence of the fact that he had been there, was his grave clothes, neatly folded, laying there. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. I said, if you trust in that, if you really believe in that good news, you will have eternal life. But then I heard something. And I think this is something that so many people struggle with. Because if you hear that, you're like, yeah, I embrace that. I embrace that. And I'm ready to go and meet with God. I'm ready to go and be face to face with God because I trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ well, a lot of people don't necessarily say that they're ready. They worry that they're not ready. And, and they worry and they agonize over it because they think that there's something else they're supposed to do. Have I done enough is the question that a lot of people ask. Did I go to church enough? Did I give enough? Did I pray enough? Did I go and share the gospel enough? Did I do this enough? Did I do that enough? Did I do this and this and this enough to be in front of a righteous, holy God? I said, I got more than just the good news. I got better news. There's nothing you could do. There is nothing you could do to earn your way to stand in front of a holy God. Nothing you can do. Now, I think because we preach righteousness and we preach uh, the sanctification, which is to allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in us, and, and we talk about how we're supposed to wage war against sin and we're supposed to resist the devil and all those kinds of things, and we talk about that up here from the pulpit. I think because of that, I think people get confused 
They were trying to say you got to do all those things in order that the gospel is real for you. Now the gospel is real for you and that is the reason why you do those other things. You see, it comes by putting your faith in the truth first and then the overflow of your life are these other things. Now sometimes we mess up. As a matter of fact, all the people in this room mess up. Every one of us. And a lot of people are afraid to come into church and they're afraid to come sit next to somebody or they're afraid of what I'm supposed to wear when I come to church because I'm not going to be like them. All those people have it together. You see all the fancy clothes they wear? Well, that's one of the reasons why we don't wear fancy clothes here. You know, Jesus doesn't say anything about wearing fancy clothes. He just doesn't. As a matter of fact, he looks at the guys in the fancy clothes sometimes and go, you're nothing but a whitewashed tomb. You look real pretty on the outside and real clean, but on the inside, you're empty. Now, I, I'm not getting on people that dress up for church. Heck, my daughter likes to dress up for church. You know what I'm saying? It's okay if you dress up for church. What I'm saying is I don't care if you dress up for church, and Jesus certainly doesn't care if you dress up for church. Because you know what? This is going to blow your mind, what I'm about to say next. Do you know that you don't have to come to 310 Industrial Drive in order to have church? Did you know that? The church is more than just this building. It is way more than Kayla and Tony up here singing. It is way more than any of that or the light shining on me. It is way more than that. It's the body of believers trusting in that gospel. Believing in that gospel and, and living their lives so that they reflect that gospel so that other people will come to know that gospel. That's what church is. The people get all keyed up about church, man. They're like, we gotta dress a certain way. We gotta look a certain way. That way everybody will think we got it together. Let me go ahead and tell you, I ain't got it together. I'm a stinking wreck. And I know that I need a savior because I'm a stinking wreck. We live in a generation, man, that they're just looking around for something that's real. They, like, you hear that a lot. Now, we've read a ton of books in our 20-somethings class about how we live in a generation just looking for something real. They're not really into stuff that's fake or whatever. I don't know that that's true. I, I don't know that that's 100% true because all I got to do is look at Instagram and ain't none of that real. It's the reality they want to make it to be but it ain't real. It ain't real. I, I promise you, because we, we went to the beach. This has probably been a year or two ago now. And we were sitting there, and we were, you know, I look like crap, and my hair's all over the place, and I have to sock a hat on because it looks like crap, okay? I'm just going to tell you. So, so I'm there, and I'm watching, and there's these two girls that walk out, on, and yes, I did say crap three times now. So, you know, you can chalk that up to how I'm not getting into heaven because I said that. So anyway... So we're sitting there and we're watching these two girls and they're on the beach together. And they got this other dude that's taking a picture of them, right? They never once got in the water. It was just about how their hair was and they had to make sure the wind was blowing the right way so their hair was blowing the right way for their Instagram picture. And I swear they must have took a thousand pictures because they were there for a long time. A long time. And I'm, I'm sitting there going like, that's the reality we want to embrace, you know? This is me at the beach. No, that ain't you at the beach. You don't put all your makeup to go in the all your makeup on to go in the water. That ain't you at the beach. 
That's not real. And then we have churches, a lot of times too, that do the same thing. We don't necessarily talk about the reality of who we are. We're just talking about how, you know, you do this, this, and this, and everything's going to work out, and it's going to be great, and you're going to have lots of money, and you're going to have a nice house, and, you know, if you just trust in Jesus, you know, name it and claim it, and you'll get it, man. That's all you got to do. But they don't talk about the fact that sometimes people die. Sometimes people that you love, they die, and they get cancer, and they die. Sometimes they die when they're eight years old. You can love Jesus, and your child still die, just in case you're wondering. You can love Jesus, and you still die. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out for you. You can love Jesus and still be poor. I met a lot of people in West Anniston that are poor, dirt poor, don't have anything, and I mean anything except what they can carry in a plastic bag and they love Jesus. But people have this idea in their head, man. What, what, what can I do? What can I, I don't feel like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm, I've done enough. I mean, and there's, there's a ton of people that feel that way. I didn't give enough. I didn't come to church enough. I didn't do all those things enough. You can't do enough. If you could, man, I'd be the first one looking for a list going, what do I need to do? As a matter of fact, this rich man comes to Jesus let me just look at it for you. This rich man comes to Jesus. I didn't tell him to put this up on the screen because I didn't know I was going to talk about this. Apparently, I didn't mark it either. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> You'll figure. Rich man comes to Jesus. He says, oh, what must I, must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he calls him good. He says, Jesus, good sir, what must I do to in inherit the kingdom of heaven? And, and Jesus starts to tell him what he thinks he wants to hear, right? And he starts to say, well, obey the commandments, you know. Honor your father, father and mother. Don't do this. Don't do that, you know. And he says, all these commandments I have kept. So Jesus looks at the man. And the first thing he says is this. He says, why do you call me good? There is none good except my father who is in heaven. He's really the one that is good. Now, we know that Jesus is God, so it's like, Jesus, who are you talking about? Are you talking about you in heaven? Are you talking about you here? It's like you're one, but you're two different people? I don't get it, okay? If you want to wrap your mind around the Trinity, good luck. It's difficult, okay? But Jesus is talking about his Father who is in heaven and says, there's none good but my Father who is heaven. As a matter of fact, he's the one that sent me here so that he could show his goodness to you. So first of all, guy, Jesus gives a guy a cup of shut-up juice and says, hey... There ain't no, there's none good except my Father who is in heaven. And if you think you're good, if you think you're good, I just want to tell you, you're not. You're not. This, this man's like, hey, Jesus, I kept all those commandments. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And what, what is Jesus? He says, okay, fine. Go sell all of your possessions. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. Now, Jesus was boiling down to the heart of the matter. He was boiling down to the fact that the guy loved his money. What he loved was money. It wasn't, it wasn't following Jesus. It wasn't Jesus himself. It was, he loved his money, so that was really tough for him. 
And Jesus says, it's easier for a man, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a, a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, but all things are possible through God. And what are you saying there? He said, man, you got stuff piled up against you. You got all these worldly goods and all these things are stacked up against you. But when you boil that down and recognize that that ain't worth nothing in the big scheme of things, and it just comes down to me and you, and you boil it down to do you love me? Do you love me? Do you embrace me fully? You can't just partially love somebody. You have to wholly love them to genuinely love them. Am I right? And Jesus just says, love me. Don't love all the other stuff. Love me. And yet people ask, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? There is none righteous, no, not one. And I'm going to read Psalm 53 to you today. And we're probably just going to wrap it up after that. Only a fool in their hearts, only a fool says in their hearts there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise. If anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. If you say to yourself, I'm a good person, then you don't embrace truth. People have said about the gospel of Jesus, what, what if there's an innocent man in Africa that dies and he, doesn't, he hasn't had this gospel shared with him? David Platt has given this illustration many times. Somebody comes up to him and says, oh, you keep preaching that we're supposed to go and share the gospel with people, that we have to go to all these nations. Well, how could God really be fair if, if there's a good man in Africa and, and, and nobody shares the gospel with him and that man dies? And David Platt says... Well, your question is flawed. There are no good men in Africa. There aren't any good men in Africa worthy of the holiness of God. That's why we go and we share this gospel, this good news. The good news is you aren't good enough. You aren't good enough. And those that embrace that truth, you know what overflows from their heart? They want to follow Jesus. They are so in love with Jesus. They say Jesus is the answer, and they go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And that's what's in their heart, and that's what begins to be the overflow of their life. And then the overflow of that becomes they share this good news with other people because they want them to experience that same love that they're experiencing, that connection with the holy God through his son, Jesus Christ. This overabounding amount of love, this, this abundance of love that is just pouring out from heaven through his son to us. And we just embrace it. We just hold on to it. We hold on to that truth and we hold on to that love and we just get deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. That's why we talk about righteousness and pursuing God and all of these things. Because some people are so in love with God, they just want to do that. They want to get closer to him. Because that's the overflow of their lives. We 
we just sang about the crushing that comes in life, right? Sometimes this gospel that we preach, this good news, it doesn't come until all the bad things come, right? Like we're not, we're not really at the point where we embrace it until our world starts crashing around us, you know? And maybe we've embraced the truth of God's righteousness being put on us. Maybe we've embraced the truth of the fact that, that God paid our, our sin debt by sacrificing his son. And maybe, maybe we embrace that, but, but we're like, we're lacking something. We're, we're like, why do I keep feeling this way like I need to do something? It's because you hadn't embraced his love. It's because you haven't truly latched on to the fact that, that his love is so real and so perfect and it is just right there and it's so tangible that if you really embrace the cross and you really embrace the sacrifice of God for each and every one of us, that love is so real and it is so abounding, you cannot describe it. And Jesus talks about this. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You know, sometimes... Sometimes I read that verse, that last verse in particular, and it's hard for my heart to embrace it completely. But Jesus tells me from his own lips, it's written in red in your Bible, and it says this, for my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. And we carry around all these, these heavy burdens, and they don't come from Jesus. They don't come from Jesus because what Jesus says is this, is when it's heavy when the world is heavy and even when you recognize your sin debt is heavy and when you don't feel unworthy and you're looking for all this external stuff to like pile on to, to try to cover up the fact that it's heavy like we just put another big white wool coat over top of it to try to cover up all the garbage that's underneath or we try to take the skeleton and shove it in the closet and pretend like it's not there and, you, and you're stuck there in front of the closet trying to hold it all back because you got so many skeletons in the closet and you just can't barely bear it, you know, and it, it becomes heavy for you. Jesus says, come to me. You need a place to go. You'll not find any person on this earth that will, there will be a place for you to go. Come to me. If it's heavy, come to me. He says, because I promise you, when you are connected with me, when we are yoked together like two oxen yoked together, he says, I'm going to carry you. I'm going to carry you. My yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. It's not complicated. It's really not. It would be complicated if I could give you a whole list to do this, 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 
and then you'll get into heaven, and then you'll be uh, good enough to be able to stand in front of a completely righteous, completely holy God. Do this, do that, do that, and then it'll change tomorrow, and you do this over here, and then you do that over there, and you'll be chasing it all day long. The reason this place is called Simple Church is because the truth is simple. Trust him completely and love him completely. When you trust him completely and you say, I surrender everything to you, Jesus, it's your way completely. And his love comes down from heaven and it just it grabs a hold of you. And you think, man, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough. And your heart's beating out of your chest and you're, and you're scared to death because you don't know what it means. And, you, and you're scared because God is speaking to you and he's showing you what's really inside your heart. And it's no more games. It's just you and him talking one-on-one. Just like you do at nighttime when you're laying there in bed thinking about your life. It's just you and him. And he reaches down from heaven with his love and he tears your heart open and shows you what's inside. And then he says, but all that filthiness, all that nastiness, when you were the worst version of yourself, that's when I died for you. That's when I said, take me don't take him. And if you don't experience real love from that, you don't know what real love is. You didn't experience the holiness of God being poured out on you. You didn't experience the, the righteousness of God being poured out on your heart. So my question to you today is this. Have you ever been in that place where you feel like, man, have I done enough? Have I checked enough boxes so I could get into heaven one day? What if I die tomorrow? What if I'm in a plane crash? What if I'm in a car wreck? You know, what happens? You know, what happens? And you struggle with that. If I'm completely transparent with you, there was a point in time in my life where I was scared to death of dying. I was terrified that I was going to be in some car crash and lay in there on my back and bleeding out my head and be scared to death the whole time. The reality is, once you get closer and closer to Jesus and you learn more and more about this good news, the more at ease you become. The more and more you come to Jesus with all your weariness and all your burdens, the more that you see that his yoke is really easy. The burden he gives you is so light. Maybe somebody here today, maybe number one, they don't know Jesus. I'm talking about this, and it's like God, same time, is just retching your heart. It's like he's squeezing it, showing you, man, who you are, and, and you recognize that. And there'll be some people that'll say, ah, not today, I'm going to put this off, and maybe one day, and maybe, maybe one day it'll be different. And there are some here. You've been worried about checking all the boxes. You've been worried about what if I die tomorrow. You've been worried to death, man. What if I die and what happens? Have I done enough? My prayer for you is that your burden is now light. Your burden is now light because you have heard that the good news is that you can't do enough. You're not good enough on your own. It has to be a work of God. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this good news. God, there are many times that we hear the good news, but we don't embrace the good news. Uh, we either don't embrace the reality of who we are, or we don't embrace the reality of who you are. God, I pray that we would do both. 
I want to pray that right now as people are struggling and they're hurting, God, and they're looking for answers and they're looking all around for something real, God, I pray that they have seen real in you, in your word. God, I pray that you have reached down from heaven and you have touched somebody's heart today. You have told them that it does not matter what they're wearing. It does not matter how they look on the outside. It does not matter whether they think they have it all together or not. What matters most is the fact there's nothing they can do. They just have to embrace your love, Lord. They just have to open themselves up and get real and say, you know what? Father, your way is the way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way I can get to you except through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, today I pray that you have restored people. And I pray that you have made people new. Whatever happens, however we respond, all the glory belongs to you. God, you're the owner of this gospel. You're the author of our faith. So, Lord, I pray that, God, you would be glorified now. As we just respond to you, we respond as your Holy Spirit is moving in this place. God, I pray just respond to you and you would receive glory that it would glorify your name father we pray all these things in the name of the one who sacrificed everything for us whose righteousness was put on us we pray these things in jesus name